Hi everyone, we're going to hear from God's Word, um, with the first passage being from Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tarsus, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And the second reading is from Galatians 1, starting at verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. 
I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Craig. I'm the minister here at Garrison. And uh, it gives me great joy to welcome you all here this afternoon. Um, I haven't been able to get around and say good day to everyone, but I'll be able to get around and say hi afterwards. Um, I'm going to just lead us in a short time of prayer as we come to consider uh, this next section in the book of Galatians um, that Steph has just read for us. Um, and what I'm going to do is, just as we start now, I'm just going to give us a little bit of time just to be still. Um, and just slow down a little bit, just have a little bit of space, and then I'm just going to say a short prayer for us, and, uh, and then we're going to explore this text that is before us this afternoon. Um, so I'm going to lead us in that now, and during this whole, um, you know, as I share some thoughts, if you have anything that you'd like to share with us or questions, um, please write them down, because afterwards, Em is going to go around the mic, and we're going to have a chance to just give some comments on what we heard, uh, or maybe some questions that you have. And so if anything comes up, please jot it down, and we can share that afterwards. Um, but uh, why don't we all now um, just kind of quiet ourselves. You may want to close your eyes and bow your heads or whatever you're comfortable with. Just as you're sitting there, just take a few deep breaths and just have a sense of this space that you're in. And uh, what has led you to be here today, on this day? Lord, we pray that you will open our hearts to your grace. Um, that you'll tune our hearts to sing your grace. <laughs> So help us to uh, come alive as we hear and reflect on your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got an opening question for us to ponder. It's sort of one of those that, um, just to, to sit with for a moment, and then we'll come back afterwards to the question. Kind of like when you buy two cheeseburgers on a road trip. You eat one, and you put one just to one side for about half an hour down the road. This is the, this is the roadie. This is just a sit with over the next 20 minutes. But the question is this. I wonder, um, how do you find the experience um, of receiving love from others? The question is not, how do you find loving others? But it's the flip side. What's your experience of receiving love? 
Or another way of framing it is, is how, how are you at being loved or allowing yourself to be loved? I think often in church we talk a lot about loving others and that's super important because that's actually a command from Jesus himself to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, our, our heart, mind and strength and to love others. But I just wanted today as something a little bit different. How are you like on the other end of that? How are you going at being able to receive love, to be open enough to be loved? And I just want to frame that idea up for us as we come to this section of Galatians and as we explore this beautiful thing called God's grace. So just sit with that question for a moment. We'll come back to it a little bit later. As M so beautifully framed up, last week we launched into the New Testament book of Galatians. Um, this book is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we explored last week in our opening sermon. This letter is not just about the gospel of Jesus Christ, though. It's also about how easy it can be um, to change the gospel of Jesus Christ and the negative impacts that that will have. So Paul's letter invites us to actually recapture the wonder of the original, to never think we need to improve on God's great work, but rather than improving, we actually need to go deeper into God's grace and God's mercy. And last week I asked us to consider that what our city, perhaps what our city really needs here in Sydney, are Christians who are just willing to be Christian. And as such, to be different. And as such, to provide an alternate way of life, of making sense of life, of interacting with those around us. And I wonder how you've gone with that this week. I'd love to know any thoughts or reflections you've had on that idea. But now we find ourselves in the second half of the first chapter of Galatians. And in the context of this ancient letter, the question now is, what is the origin of Paul's gospel that it should be normative and other messages should be judged by it? Or, to put it another way, there are people in the area of a Galatia who appear to be saying, Paul's message is fine, but it's incomplete. And it's just his personal perspective. Our perspective is equally valid, and it's actually better. This was happening in 48 AD, the year this letter was written. Um, but spring us into the present, it still happens today, um, quite common in, in different circles. Uh, I was reading a book last year, a uh, book written in 2014, so it's pretty recent, um, a guy called Adam Hamilton, he published a book, Making Sense of the Bible, and uh, it was pretty popular, I had a read of it, there are many helpful reflections in this upon understanding the biblical text, but towards the end, where the book ultimately leads is a questioning of whether we can really trust the writings of the Apostle Paul and as to its authority in our life today as Christians. 
There seems to be an encouragement to take the words of Jesus seriously and especially a real focus on the Gospels. But we don't necessarily read the rest of the New Testament in the same spirit. And I think, in effect, Hamilton is saying in 2014, Paul's message, the Apostle Paul's message in the New Testament, it's fine, um, but it's just his personal perspective at the time, and therefore my perspective is potentially equally valid and, and it could be more accurate. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the people of his day in 48 AD, but indeed it could also be received by us today in 2018, still a message for our time. And Paul's central argument is summed up for us there in verse 11. He writes this, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, I used to work, some of you know, for several years uh, or more as a school chaplain in high schools. And uh, I taught a subject called Christian Studies, and each student attended it once a week. And we had topics to cover, we had an exam at the end of the term, but the classes were often just a huge Q&A session. And so the students were like, sir, they called me sir, which was cool, even when I was 23. Um, I grew a beard in my first year of teaching, just so I looked a little older. But, uh, you know, they would say, sir, what about this? Sir, how come God is like that? Um, why does that happen? How come Christians think, you know, it was basically just a Q&A extended session for 40 minutes in my class. And early on in my career, I would answer personally as if I held all the answers. I'd say, well, we think heaven's going to be like X. Or God allows bad things to happen because of why. But midway through my years, I realized something profound, which was I didn't actually know the answers to any of these questions. Like, I didn't know what heaven is like because I haven't been to heaven. And I don't know why God allows every bad thing to happen because I am not God. And through this, I changed my whole language and stance. So when a question was asked, I would often pause and reply, well, Jesus taught that, or when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, or I don't know the exact answer to your question, but it reminds me of this moment when Jesus met this person and he said, my point was that as a Christian, I've come to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, which is the Son of God. And as such, only he's really big enough to know the big picture and therefore provide me with truth and direction. My faith, my trust, you could say, is actually in him. And so I would say to the students, I'll share with you what he said. And you can agree and you can disagree, but you'll be wrestling with Jesus and not with my personal opinion. And this is basically what Paul is saying at the start of Galatians. He's basically saying to us, this gospel I write to you is not my invention, as if I know the mind of God or I'm big enough to exist over all time and space. Rather, these are the words of Jesus with all the authority that he brings. And so what does Paul go on to do at the opening of his letter? Well, he goes on to prove the power of Jesus from his own story, his own testimony. 
And this brings me back to something we explored a month ago here at church. The greatest skill, perhaps, that's a big call, one of the greatest skills you can learn in sharing your faith and being a witness to Jesus in your workplace, your social circles, is honesty. It's honesty. A testimony is just a statement of truth from a personal perspective. To be on mission, which is kind of a theme for us here in Churchill this year, is to share our stories with other people, small ways, maybe big, to extend invitations while covering it all with prayer. Paul often uses his honest story of faith in Jesus. And I wonder whether that's an invitation for us to do the same. What opportunities may God give you this coming week just to give an honest comment about your faith in Jesus? So let's see what Paul shares of his story. It's going to be different to ours. He notes two things. First of all, this, he said, I tried to destroy what he now calls the church of God, uh, which is the church that started under Jesus, the Christian church. That's the first thing he said. And the second is that he was zealous for the Jewish traditions. So if you weren't aware, Paul, who wrote this letter, 48 AD, used to be known as Saul of Tarsus. And he was trained up as a Pharisee which was the strictest party of the Jewish religion. His whole life and his whole direction of life represented this. But there's an important shift that happens for him as he shares his testimony here in Galatians. And we read what happened to him in our first reading in the book of Acts today. But you have a look. In verse 13 to 14, he uses these phrases. I persecuted the church. I advanced in Judaism. I was extremely zealous. But then in verses 15 to 16, there's a shift in the subject of the verbs. He starts saying, but God set me apart. God called me through grace. God was pleased to reveal his son. Now, this is not an indication that Paul simply kind of found his spiritual side. He'd spent a whole life teaching God's law. No, the difference now is that life doesn't seem to be focused on himself. In his earlier life, in his, uh, what he would perhaps call his zealous life or his religious life, upon which he was an expert, it was focused on himself, his ability, his knowledge, his strength. But now since meeting Jesus, something has shifted. His focus has shifted. It's as if Paul has seen for the first time that life is in fact an arena in which we receive gifts from a good God rather than simply just gain for ourselves. And perhaps this is the difference between a life based on grace and a life based on law. And, and it's here, I think, where we start to see why Paul is so fired up in this letter to the Galatians. Last week I said high danger calls for immediate action. You know, the person falling on the train tracks, you yank them back. And the danger that Paul is now identifying is that the Galatians are moving away from a gospel of grace and back to a law-based religion. They are moving away from gift back to gain. They are losing Christian faith. And I wonder where we may be tempted to do this today. I don't think we, like the Galatians, are at risk of merging Jewish traditions 
with the way that we do church here at the garrison. But I wonder whether we are good at taking the gospel of grace and making it a gospel of law. We take the gospel of gift and we actually transfer it into a gospel of gain. Paul has reminded us in the opening sentence of this letter that when you change the gospel of Jesus in this way, it's actually not the gospel of Jesus anymore. It's some other thing. But maybe you and I might still be tempted to make this change. Because isn't it true that everything in our life is based on gain? Um, We live in a meritocracy, that's not a bad thing, but words like achievement, personal success, status, self-made, they're just idolized. We love that stuff. It's the very air we breathe. But in that context, how do we tune our hearts to sing God's grace? How do we even accept that God may have have something for us? That we don't need to earn or win or succeed in order to receive from him? It's so very difficult for us in Sydney to truly understand and grasp Christian faith. And I wonder if that's why we seek to change it. To sort of bring it down to our level of earning and deserving which is actually the very heart of human-shaped religion, but it's not the heart of the gospel of Jesus. And so Paul, for him, he identifies three gifts that he has received through following Jesus. The first one is this. He's received a plan for his life. And he identifies the plan which involves um, a job. No. Paul worked. He actually had full-time job, but that wasn't the plan, even though he worked. Uh, Did it involve where he lived? No. But Paul did live in houses, and he had homes. Um, Did it involve... No, no, there's so many things that he... God's plan could... But no, for Paul, the first gift is this. He's realized God's plan for his life, which is to share the news of Jesus to what he calls the Gentile world, or the non-Jewish world. Now, Paul keeps on working, He works full-time, tent maker, he still travels, but for him, his plan, what's the plan of my life? It's to share the message of Jesus while I do all those other things. The second gift that he receives is what he calls God's grace. That is, he experienced God's love. Even though, and this is the strange thing, even though Paul had been destroying the very church that Jesus set up, he now meets Jesus And Jesus says, I want you on my side. My forgiveness is open to you. And Paul receives God's grace even after he had been threatening and destroying the very church that Jesus started. And the third gift, Paul writes, God was pleased to reveal his son to me or in me. And I think that idea is Paul is saying, wow, God helped me to see who Jesus really was. And that that just opened up my whole world. And you'll see, Paul knew his Old Testament really well, and it totally changed his view of the Old Testament. So Paul's point up front is that it was God's work that brought him to this place of gospel authority, and the shift in his life is evidence of the difference that grace makes. So he writes, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. No, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. 
Now, you may have noticed that Paul seeks to make one other point in this section. And he writes this, verse 16. He says, after he actually becomes a Christian, after he starts following Jesus, he sees him for who he really is. He says, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia and later I returned to Damascus. Now, what's this all about? Why is he telling us he's... It seems that Paul wants his readers to know that he wasn't indoctrinated by the apostles. Even after his conversion and meeting with Jesus, Paul didn't then go and learn the rehearsed lingo as if there was any from the other apostles. He didn't go learn the sales pitch. It wasn't like people had come up with this idea and gone, oh wow, this is a really good idea. Okay, here are our three points. Here's your suitcase. Go out, sell it. Paul is like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't, like I met Jesus, I had an experience of Jesus. He's changed my life. Now I'm telling you about it. The gospel of grace isn't authorized by any human being. It's from Jesus. It doesn't have to be checked by the theological hierarchy. The gospel isn't an institutionalized agreement that the church came up with. Like salvation, the authority is from God and nobody else. And so we're, we're kind of on holy ground when we're talking about grace. Because no one figured it out. No one came up with this great idea. It actually came from God. It was what the revelation of Jesus was about. Earlier I said we live in a cultural mediocrity, which achievement, personal success, status, self-made, it's just the air we breathe. But how do we tune our hearts in that culture to sing God's grace? when everything has taught me that life is about gain. And I finish by reading to us the opening words of this letter. Paul writes to us and he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The difference grace makes is that it allows us to drop the charade that we are in control of everything. That's a life of gain. And in its place, we start receiving from the one who is in control, a life of grace. We receive his plans. We receive his love. We receive his truth. But that comes back to the original question. How are you at receiving love? Because that's the gateway into Christian faith. And I take it that if we are so attuned to this life of gain, we're not really open to receive because we're so used to going, well, no, there has to be a catch. Or for others of us, we've tried the whole receiving love thing before and it just went ugly for us. And so we've just shut down because that's survival. You'd be a fool not to. But the problem is, 
then it's really hard to actually be loved again. And the scary thing is we've actually got to open ourselves up a little bit, which is risky, in order to be loved. And that's part of our Christian journey because at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ is his love for you. And any change that might come in your life will come from being loved by God. And so we need to work out how to be open to that. Paul's really aggressive in this letter of Galatians because he knows how easy it is for us to sort of shut up the grace shop and just start a very simplistic law-based religion. And he sees the Christians in Galatia doing it and he comes down on them harder than any other church that he writes to. And so his word to us today is to be open to God He gave himself for our sins. Receive that love. And then allow it to change us. That's what the Christian journey is. And I'm not sure what that will mean for you or where you are at on your journey. Uh, But wherever you are, um, this is the gospel of Jesus. And it's just brilliant. You can't make up this stuff. And that's Paul's point. And he wants us to remain true to this gospel. And so I'm going to pray and just ask that God will lead us forward in trusting him and being loved by him. And uh, and then if you have any comments you want to share or questions you have, there'll be a little bit of time for that. But um, let's just uh, pray together. Um, Our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask for a work of your spirit amongst us in this community, uh, that we might be open to receiving the good gifts that you have for us. That first and foremost, we will allow ourselves to be loved by you. That we'll realize that you have dealt with our sin and our mistakes as Jesus died on the cross. And that we can trust you to lead us into a new life. And so whatever that looks like for each one of us this afternoon, keep moving us in that direction that we might love you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and so that we can be equipped to love others. And uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.